back to class, everybody. I am your host, Ethan, um, one of the hosts of the Weebology podcast. But what I'm talking about today is episode three of Gleipnir. Um, we're doing every Thursday. Um, I'm reviewing one of the episodes of Gleipnir from this season, and then Ricky will also be doing an episode of Tower of God back-to-back, essentially. Um, and we're posting them as separate videos. And then also as a combined episode of the podcast. But today I would like to talk about Gleipnir episode 3. This shit was wild. So, like so far it's been kind of weird. Like lots of mysteries, zero answers essentially. Um, You know, and then we we left off on that last episode on a massive, massive bombshell that somebody else wished for Shuichi to become Dogman or whatever you want to call it. So, a um, couple cool things. Obviously, super, super hype, still creepy, <laughs> still really like etchy and stuff like that. But uh, the first scene this episode was about um, the guy who keeps coming out of the, um, the vending machine every time that somebody comes to it with a coin, apparently. And he keeps saying humans are so, you know, reliable or so, um, you know, have a lot of ingenuity or something like that. So he's clearly not a human, um, and technology can't see the coins, so apparently he thinks the only way to gather them all is to basically have humans get them for him, and then I guess he's just paying them back with um, you know, some special abilities, which is the whole point of the whole dog suit or you know, the, the track stars, crazy legs and shit like that. Um, but yeah, so this episode was pretty wild. Um, in the beginning, <laughs> after after uh, we learn a little bit about Alien Boy, is we find them back, uh, Shuichi and Claire, back in Claire's apartment. And um, Claire is apparently not a neat freak. She's got, you know, shit everywhere. This is like an interesting trope I'm, I see in like, you know, Japanese anime where there's like that high school student who lives by herself in an apartment or by himself in an apartment is like, either really, really clean or, like, really, really dirty. You see it in Toradora. Um, you see it with Taiga. She she basically lives by herself and has, like, this complete, you know, shit show of an apartment. Um, you know, you see it with uh, in, um, Jesus Christ, sorry, <laughs> Kuroko no Basket, uh, you know, the red-haired kid. I, for whatever reason, am blanking on his name right now, but that's not really that important. Just an interesting trend I'm noticing. Um, I might do some research into why the hell that keeps popping up because it just seems like a pretty heavy trope at this point. There's got to be some reason. So I'll probably uh, throw that into another episode later on down the way. Um, so yeah, keep watching and stuff like that. But yeah, so they're doing uh, training. Basically, she tries to get naked to get inside of him because apparently it's sticky and wet inside of him um, as the dog man suit. And, uh, so he basically makes her wear a swimsuit because it's too, uh, I guess erotic for him. I don't, I I don't know, you know, so, uh, you know, there's still that crazy imagery. Like every time she steps into the dog man suit, like you see her like literally stepping through his body, which I think is like really good imagery, but like this episode, I don't know what, like if something changed or what, but I felt like it was like way like prettier and just in general, like a better atmosphere, um, not to say like the first two weren't like good looking or anything, but I felt like they really emphasized a lot of the like visuals in this episode. 
But yeah, so they find out that he can still move with her inside of him. Like he can control the arms and stuff, but she has more control over him. So she tried, basically they tried to do like a combat of wills essentially where she was trying to move inside of him while he was moving. Um, So that that was kind of interesting. I guess it kind of shows like the person inside has more control than, you know, the person outside, which in this case is kind of weird because Shuichi uh does not agree with claire on uh, her uh let's say morals like you know she blasted the shit out of that girl with the gun um last episode and he was not a fan and i guess we'll see kind of moving forward whether that keeps like becoming an issue because now if they're like they're intertwined right like their fates are intertwined and you know they're gonna, they're gonna stick together if she keeps doing stuff that he doesn't like like we'll just have to see what ends up happening but, uh, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, though, that they're working on, like, their uh, synergy, I guess I would say. It's sort of like uh, an Evangelion or whatever, like, the synchronicity um, between the two. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, and then we find out that they decide to look for Elena. And I'm actually really surprised Shuichi was just, like, so down to do this. But I guess he wants to find out more about being a monsters or monsters or whatever. And that's the only other one that he knows, like, confirmed exists. So I guess it kind of makes sense um, from that perspective. But, yeah, we got um, – they, they decide they want to do a, like, stakeout in a area that Elena, like, for sure was plenty of times, which is a um, – a train station near her like school right so um they have a piece of elena's clothes and they make shuichi with his dog nose smell it to see if he can basically track the scent later on i really like how they're they're kind of playing on this dog suit idea like i mentioned in the first episode a lot of like uh, smell and whiffs and stuff like that and they make them very visual so you can see when it's happening but uh, it's pretty cool to see him like basically using his ability as like a tracker dog or something like that. But, you know, he takes a whiff and he basically smells like thousands of bodies on this girl's, uh, you know, clothes. Um, he, he was kind of hoping that hoping that she didn't have anything to do with her parents' death or whoever else was around. Turns out she super did. Um, and I guess from that point, they're kind of like on the same page. Like they need to find her. Claire wants to kill her. <laughs> And Shuichi just wants to find out what the hell's going on with uh, monster stuff. So they do stake out the the uh, the train station, like I had mentioned. And um, the second this girl comes out of a train and onto the platform, Shuichi smells it, and he can tell immediately, like it's like very very heavy smell. And so um, they're basically rushing to position. Uh, Claire jumps inside of them, and then, like, they're poised, ready to basically um, ambush this girl as she comes out of the train station, and she comes out, and um, Claire is inside of her, uh, inside of Shuichi, and and basically aiming to shoot, and uh, Claire's saying, yeah, we're just gonna shoot her in the legs, and then we'll take her somewhere else and deal with this, but uh, she's actually aiming for this girl's head, um, which is pretty wild, um, she had seen through the window that it was her sister, so we know for sure they know each other, right? Or, or, like, there's a recognition there that Claire knows this is her sister, and she's still trying to aim at her head. Pretty freaking wild. She literally takes the shot, and um, her sister is so effing strong, 
or I don't really know yet, like the the idea behind her strength or like what the mechanism of her power is just yet. But she suits at her head, and it's like um, if you guys watched One Piece or anything uh, with Logias, you can like blast away pieces of their head, and they'll just like reform with whatever the material is, like fire or sand or whatever. And uh, she has this like it's hard to explain like a black mist almost but it's like a menacing black mist and she just kind of reforms behind him and basically says you know you're okay like I think that your reasons for wanting to kill me are just let's just make sure that we get out of here so that you know we aren't you know in in the way of other people is spent essentially but this is the weird part for me so they literally are walking like down a um you know those little roads and uh sidewalks next to canals all throughout japan apparently throughout anime um well he's like walking her down one with his gun drawn as his dog suit and like if you remember episode one and two they were all worried about being seen and now they're just walking in like absolute daylight all the way down a road so i think that's like a little bit of an inconsistency i wish they would have not kind of um messed around with because this this episode was like absolutely stellar like an absolute like 9.5 9.5 out of 10 kind of episode but like that inconsistency just really like threw me off a little bit because I mean they're literally walking down the street with uh first of all a gun drawn and second of all he's in his dog like costume monster form and so um she basically starts talking to him and says look um I know you deserve to be mad at me what I did to you wasn't fair whatever whatever she goes I know who you are and Claire freaks out, Shuichi freaks out, and she goes, it's because of me or like that, Shuichi, and uh, she didn't even know Claire was inside of her, uh, or inside of Shuichi, and Claire actually screams through the uh, body, and then it gets, like, absolutely fucking real, there's, like, a a weird um, situation where she doesn't know it's actually her sister, so she does that weird, um, like, teleportation thing behind her, and is, like, no girl can be inside of Shuichi. He's mine, essentially. So this is pretty wild. I think clearly that uh, there's some kind of relationship between Elena and Shuichi, whether he knows it or not. Um, I really like that they kicked up, you know, the action for sure, but more the tension in this episode. Um, obviously, there's more action in episode two, but I felt like this was like definitely more of a plot driving episode. A lot more happened, and then like. Just like the ominous um, power that Elena seems to wield. Like, I just cannot wait to figure out what's going on. Um, And I just, like I said, 9.5 episode. Still absolutely hate the OP. Like, they try to be really creepy in the beginning, and they do a great job, and then screech the whole way through. Um, I think it's probably the worst I've ever heard. Uh, But yeah, like, like I said, liking the show so far. Definitely the best episode. Definitely check it out. Um, and yeah, just wanted to kind of throw down some thoughts real quick. All right, guys, now we are flipping on over to Ricky, and he's going to talk about Tower of God. Thank you so much for listening. Deuces. What's up, students? This is your more and more unkempt professor, Ricky, and welcome back to the lab, away from the lab in this isolation situation. I hope you all are staying safe and staying clean. And uh, in between this episode, this episode and last episode of Extra Credit, all I did was eat spaghetti, take a shower, and watch Tower of God, episode three. Now, this episode 
finally made me realize how good this show is at stacking so much information very densely and packed together, but doesn't feel too unnatural in a 23 minute span. And, you know, I'm going to try to keep this in about 15 minutes because last time I just rambled and realized that if I were to go through uh, point by point, it would end up as a 15 minute, more than 15 minutes, it ended up as like a half hour instead of 15 minutes. And uh, I don't want to do that. I just want to kind of want to give my thoughts. But there are a couple things you want to hammer on in this one because we get not one but two tests in the same episode, kind of the same way we had in episode two. Um, but there there have been some serious curveballs in terms of plot in this uh, episode, and I'm, I'm ready to ready to hit them off. So in the in the first of the two tests in this episode, they call it the correct door. Goes into a dark room. And uh, no other team is allowed to follow. And uh, when a team goes in there, when Team Bomb goes in there, for uh, for lack of a better term, they uh, they realize they come across a man, a blonde dude, and we saw his outline in the last episode talking about Kuhn and the, in a way that he kind of knew him. And uh, this whole episode is very Kuhn-heavy about his past. And it won't. It, it doesn't really come into the forefront until um, right before Team Bond goes into the tests, and some weird, almost rubber dude in a bag or something like that knows of Kuhn as a man who was betrayed by his either lover or uh, was abandoned by his the Kuhn family. I don't know. There's there's some very weird royal kind of uh, allusion to Khan and uh, the fact that he was betrayed or abandoned or disgraced in some kind of way makes me believe that he uh, he's much more powerful than he is kind of laying out to to show to the other contestants or even his own team. So this whole team goes in to this room and you have 12 doors sprung up by a blonde guy named Han Sung Yu. Kind of very Chinese in that particular name but I mean this is from South Korea after also could be Korean for all I care um that he is told uh hey you and your team have to pick a door pick the right door within 10 minutes but the hint that rubber guy gave outside was actually true that all the teams that didn't complete it in five minutes screamed or you know they heard screams from them and what was really interesting was we got to see rock as the uh the lizard guy and their crew to shine as the comedic uh relief for the group and oh my gosh i am a rack fan through and through that dude is hysterical he basically just kind of he goes in, realizes the time limit, and then gets instantly annoyed. Like, instantly. And then, out of annoyance, he kicks a door down before five minutes is up, and they pass. He claims it was instinct, but I know it's just because he's like, fuck this test, I'm getting after it. He just kicks the door down, and that was actually the criteria of the test, was to, uh, to pick a door, any door, within the first five minutes. I guess it's testing, um, you know, courage or, or hardiness or just kind of initiative. And it almost feels like it was a test set up to make 
Kun fail. Because Han Soon Yu, the guy setting up the test, knew about Kun, knew that he has a problem trusting people for some reason, and knows that he is an analytic type because he was just like, shut up, organize the information, do what you can to figure out, you know, do he's very analytical and very, you know, everything's in a tight little box, just like his, just like his briefcase. Um, and uh, we do get clues about Khan's past even further throughout this test. And he, something he even mentioned was, did the betrayal of the princess really wound you that deep? Do you really have, have the inability to trust people? It seems like you're carrying a heavy bag. Now that line's also funny too, because when he goes and grabs his bag, that's when he says the line. So I, again, I told you there's going to be some... There's going to be some kind of uh, allusion to his bag. I'm not really sure because it seemed like he had it in his flashback when it seemed like he was kicked out of a castle. Pretty obvious what that meant to be. Um, but he had his bag then, and I, I, it goes everywhere with him. So it must not only be special to him, but have a special quality about it. And I think what I said last episode is right. So uh, he has the ability to pull infinite amount of things out. Uh, so... They go through uh, the door, just I guess a door, and uh, they are presented one in the next lobby with Leo Rio, the guy that Mom was talking to before, and he was told that uh, you and anyone else in this room can participate in a bonus test. Now, this felt very unusual to me because right before that scene... He had a meeting with another what looked like administrator, a ranker of some sort, someone had, who had the ability to test others, which gave me a couple interesting tips that rankers and administrators seem to have free reign over how they test regulars and irregulars and just people looking to climb the tower. It's up to them. This makes it have that hunter-hunter feel. There's a level of autonomy for the people underneath the head. That says, hey, you're allowed to do what you want to do, but you still are under my supervision. So if you fuck up, you know, you will answer to me. But just by being a ranker, you were given a certain level of authority to just kind of do what you want to do. So what this gaunt guy, this red little imp looking dude, met with Hong Sung Yu and said, so I decided to hold the first and second test simultaneously and have an untimed battle royale and three people killed everybody in 30 minutes. What? What? Like, like three people killed over 300 in 30 minutes in a huge sprawling field. And basically, he said, help me, Han Sung Yu, help me. Don't make me go talk to the king about this. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll use my genius intellect. And Rio, Rio, Rio is basically cleaning up his mess. So what I think this bonus test is... When we find out it is essentially a capture the flag style game, there's a crown on a throne in the middle of the room, and all the other teams that wanted to participate are in cages. In five rounds, you have basically five seconds before each round to hit a button and release your cage, and you are participating in that round. If you and your team can have somebody sit on the throne and you protect it for the end of the round, you go to the next round, and then everyone else who chooses to participate in, the, say, the second round jumps in and tries to steal the crown from themselves. The people who are on the, the throne at the end of the fifth round win. 
So there's disadvantage for going early because you have to wear yourself out and make it five rounds. There's also disadvantage for going too late because you may never make it there. You may never actually get to do it. Um, so it's kind of an in interesting dynamic. So there's um, an obvious way to get the strongest teams of one group to try and knock out this irregular or this, uh, um, you know, aberrant, just, just this different team that, or that doesn't fit anywhere. And they're like, we can't really have this. This is the product of some faulty testing. Or they might just be super powerful. And, I mean, clearly they are. They slayed an entire, like, scores and scores of people in 30 minutes. Basically, Kilowa in the second Hunter exam. So, uh, this is an interesting development that happened at the end of the episode. And two teams go in first. We have Fish Girl, which is um, Ayanka, I think her name is, and Hots and the Shibu guy versus an unnamed team, which you know they're about to be whacked when they don't have a team. Uh, they don't have any people on the team worth mentioning. Um, basically, Ayanka base does her work. She ha She's the one with the whip with the three-eyed mark on it, and uh, it's clearly a powerful weapon that gets Rack all hot and bothered and wants to fight. Um, but a very interesting thing happens at the end, and spoilers, you know, go watch this show, guys. It's really good, but spoilers. At the end of this episode, Ayanka's sitting on the throne with the crown on her head and says, don't worry, I won't let anyone take it. And right before that, she uses a, a whip move on the top of the throne that basically makes a huge twister and blows everyone else back. And then you see the irregular team, the smallest person, has their hood blown back. And Bomb looks up, and you can clearly see it's Rachel, the girl from the first episode that went away and dissolved in Bomb's arms and says, I'm going to the top of the tower. So, what the fuck? Like, that's an, that's an awesome twist because you, you would have thunk that, you know, he's in theory further ahead and apparently she had just taken the first and second round simultaneously, but is, is there a weird time delineation? And there's like a time mix-up here? I, I can't quite tell, but all I do know is... At the very end of the episode, they alluded that one of the p members on this um, mystery team, this mystery strength and strong team, is Rachel, the chick that he might have to go up and combat against. So will we be able to see Rachel's combat skills? Is Rachel a badass? More at 11. But that's really it. I wanted to keep it short and tight because I didn't want to walk through every single step, but that's kind of the high-level stuff. I am really excited for this show now. They have gone to a very interesting place where they are dropping bombs very quickly. It almost seems as if they aim, which I would love if this happened. They're aiming to have like a 12 or 13 tight done shonen story. Oh man. You know, I haven't had a good story like that in a long time. Like all this all the shonen coming out are great. Do not get me wrong. We have Black Clover, My Hero Academia, but and and, the, and I love the long form. You know, I I've been really loving Black Clover, even in, even in the little fillers. But um, and My Hero, I'm still a fanboy of, and I can't stop it, even if it is getting a little weak here and there. Um, I, I would say honestly, like having a really nice one and done season shown and closed out, and it being a webtoon, 
that might be the case. Think, think of a small team working on a high production value webtoon, but not being a full-fledged studio. You may be able to make like 10 to 12 really good episodes on webtoons, and then it just is over, and that as a tight package might be attractive to Crunchyroll. So this is already looking like if they keep this as a tight 12, this we could have, I don't want to say masterpiece too early, even if I just did, but I won't, I won't do it because it's important to recognize they have all the pieces and the storylines for tight character stories, tight action, and the action scene in this episode was really, really good. Just the little one that was in there was really good. Um, I, I, I am now really looking forward to this season. I'm going to give this episode a solid eight. It didn't do the world building as much, but it did have this mad curveball at the end. Really good action. Um, really thought-provoking testing. And um, it, it also gave a little bit more of the hierarchy among these rank, rankers because, you know, people seem to be coming to others for help. So even if it is not official title, but it's prestige, that's cool. I like that a lot. Um, I am very excited to see where this anime goes. I am excited to see if they keep it as a tight season. Um, but time will only tell. So thank you for listening to this extra credit. Uh, like, go check us out on YouTube. I've been a lazy boy, but I did upload the first two. And by the time you're watching this one, um, we will be all caught up. Uh, me and Ethan, who was over there watching Gleipnir, which you should totally go check out. If you want to listen with your ears and not your eyes, go check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast fix. And until next time, stay safe, wash your hands. I'm Ricky, that was Ethan, and this has been Weedbology. Deuces. <laughs>